Okay, good morning. So now that the Torah is finally finished with all of the instruction that are associated with the building of the Mishkan, we return to the story of when Moshe Rabbeinu is up on the mountain, right after the end of the giving of the Ten Commandments. The next day, Moshe goes up the mountain on the seventh day of the month of Sivan. Moshe goes up the mountain for fellow Jews for 40 days. And while I'm gone, you're going to be Aaron and Hur. They will be in charge. Any questions or issues that you will have, go speak to them. They will advise you and guide you. And at that time, as the Torah tells us, God gives to Moshe the Shnei Luchos Eidos, the two tablets of testimony that have been written by the hand or by the finger of Hashem. Now, on the 40th day, from the day that Moshe had gone up the mountain, which is the 16th, he went up on the 7th day of Sivan, so on the 16th day of Tammuz, the Jewish people begin to get afraid. Why are they afraid? They knew that Moshe said 40 days. So they started counting 40 days on the day that Moshe went up the mountain. But when Moshe said, I'm going to be on the mountain for 40 days, he meant 40 Jewish days. A Jewish day is the night before the day, right? Shabbat always begins Friday night. It doesn't mean it begins at night. Every holiday begins at night. So when Moshe said 40 days, he meant 40 days where the night would precede the day, 40 Jewish days. So on what was actually only the 39th complete day of the night preceding the day, but the 40 day on their account, they get afraid. Why do they get afraid? Because it's, not, it's already the afternoon. The Torah says, Ki boshesh Moshe. Moshe was delaying in coming. But boshesh could also mean the word bishesh, in the sixth hour. In the sixth hour, being already after the middle of the day had passed, it's already in the afternoon. Moshe has not come. And the satan makes it, the skies turn dark and gloomy and you know, ominous. And they see a vision of the, of the bed of Moshe on top of the clouds. They begin to get afraid. And they say, Zem Moshe Ha'ish. They go, to, they go to Aaron and they say, make for us an idol. We need a God. Why? Zem Moshe Ha'ish, this man Moshe, took us out of Egypt. We do not know what has happened to him. We don't know. We're afraid. We need a new... And if you pay attention to the verse, we discussed at great length last night. I'm not going to repeat last night's class. But uh, you see here clearly that they were not looking for a new God to replace God. They were looking for a new object to replace Moshe, to replace their intermediary that they had had in the past between God and them. They were addicted to divine revelation. They couldn't imagine an existence where they wouldn't be able to just you know, go to Moshe and ask for whatever they needed. So they say we need a new Moshe. So Aaron tries to slow them down. Why does he try to slow them down? He can't stop them because his nephew, Hur, had told the Jewish people, you can't do this. You're worshiping an idol. It's a sin. It's a terrible thing to do that. And the people were in such a mob mentality. When you're in a mob mentality, there's no room for any dissension or disagreement. And they stoned him to death. So Aaron sees his nephew is lying there dead in front of him. So he says to the Jewish people, okay, go get me the gold and the silver and the earrings that are on the ears of your wives, and uh, then I'll make it. Aaron will show the woman they're not going to give the jewelry so fast. They won't give the jewelry so fast. So then he'll uh, take time till they negotiate, till they promise new jewelry. So he'll have time to slow it down till Moshe Rabbeinu comes down the mountain. But they uh, are so eager and desperate for an idol that they themselves take their own jewelry off their own body, off their own ears and rings, etc., and they bring it to Aaron, and immediately they make this massive pile of gold. And then he takes the gold from the hand, which means he literally puts it into a cloth, 
puts it into a cloth, a cheret, you know, like a, he ties it into one big like a tablecloth and puts it in the fire, or it can mean that he put it into a mold, but either way, he puts it into the, into the fire, and out comes a living calf. How is this calf alive? Simply because of black magic. There's other explanations we discussed yesterday, but that's for last night's class. On a simple level, the Erev the people that had been, the, 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 the group of Egyptians that were not Jews, that had not gone through a proper conversion, but they were so inspired by the miracles that they wanted to join the Jewish people. And they, you know, at the moment they meant it, but it, was, it, was, it wasn't a real internal change that had changed them. They still retained many of their old Egyptian cultural habits of idol worship still remained with them. So therefore, when they got scared, they immediately reverted back to their old ways of idol worship. And so they used their powers of black magic to make this pile of gold, and now this statue of a golden calf, come alive. And when they see the golden calf walking out of the fire, they get very excited and they say, These are your gods, O Israel, that we took them out of the land, of, that took you out of the land of Egypt. Here again, you see clearly who's talking over here. The Erev the multitude of other nations that had joined the Jews but were not authentic Jews, they were the ones that had led the Jewish people to sin with the golden calf. Now, Aaron sees uh, what's going on. So he builds a mezbeach. He builds an altar before them. Again, he builds it himself because he's trying to slow them down. He knows if I, don't, if I let them build the altar, they'll build it very, very quickly. So let me be the one to build it all by myself. I'll say that only the high priest can build it, so I'll take time. And hopefully this will delay things until Moshe Rabbeinu finally shows up. And as the Rashi tells us, the word mezbeach could also mean mezavuach the one that had been slaughtered before him. He saw Hur was killed. He was afraid to, he was trying to slow them, but he was afraid to argue with them. So he, uh, he builds it and he says, Chag Hashem Machar. Tomorrow will be a Chag, will be a holiday for God. And in Aaron's mind, he had only pure thoughts. When Aaron said that tomorrow will be a holiday to Hashem, he actually was really planning that by tomorrow, Moshe will come down the mountain. And this altar that he built, he built it with the intention that it should be for use for God and that it will be a holiday for Hashem in celebration of the getting of the second tablets. However, the Sata didn't want to wait for Moshe to come down. So what happened? Early, early in the morning, the Sata wakes up all the people, and they get up before Moshe came down from the mountain, and they bring up offerings, and they come to sit, and after they offer to this idol, they eat and they drink and they make merry, which includes being immoral before this idol. Now we come to Hashem and Moshe up on the mountain. Now Hashem says to Moshe, Lech reid, go down from the mountain. Why go down from the mountain? Because your nation has become corrupted. This nation that you took out of Egypt, they've become corrupted. They have turned away very, very quickly. They've turned away from the path that I've commanded to them. And they have made this golden calf. They bowed out to it. And they have said, these are your gods of Israel. And therefore... I have seen how this nation is a stiff-necked people. It's a stiff-necked people. And therefore, he says to Moshe, leave me alone, let me be, and I shall allow my anger to flare up against the nation, and I will kill all of them. I'll destroy the entire people. I will make you into a new great nation uh, in their place. So I'm going to start over. A, Jew, a, a new a version 2.0 of the Jewish people you know, to replace uh, what was. Now, Hashem is hinting to Moshe over here that he should pray. What did Hashem say to Moshe? 
And now leave me, hanichami, let me be. Which Moshe understood to be a hint that God is saying that if you don't let me be and that you pray to me, I'll allow you to change my mind. Sometimes Hashem gives a decree, it's not because Hashem wants a decree to stand. He's giving a decree because He wants us to pray and to try and use our ability to change the decree. So right away, while He's still up on the mountain, before He ever descends and breaks the tablets and all that, while He's still on the mountain, Vayichal Moshe, Moshe begins to plead with Hashem. And He says to Hashem, why would you show so much anger against your people, forcing you to execute the guilty together with the innocent? You know, not everybody sinned. Only some people sin. Some people are innocent. And uh, are you going to be jealous of a, of a, of a golden molten calf? Who, who's jealous of a who's jealous of a wise person? A wise person, someone that's relative or, or comparable, you can be jealous. But for you, an infinite God, to be jealous of a statue, how is that possible? Why would your anger flare up against your nation? What Hashem said to Moshe, go down because. Your nation has become corrupted. And Moshe responding, why would you flare up your na- anger against your nation, against Amchok? Because this is not my nation, God. This is your nation. This is your people. So don't, uh, this is the nation that you took out of Egypt with great might and with a, you know, an outstretched, a mighty hand. Why would you allow the Egyptians to say, that when God took them out of Egypt, he took them out with the evil, uh, with the star of of evil. If you remember, when Moshe was trying to get Pharaoh to let the Jews go out of Egypt, so Pharaoh says, I see Bira'ah, I see that there's going to be an evil a star of bad luck, of blood against the Jewish people, and they'll all be destroyed in the, in the desert. So Moshe says, Hashem, if you're going to kill the Jewish people, it's going to be a chil Hashem. It's going to be an embarrassment of God's name, because it's going to appear to the Egyptians who will hear that the entire, you did all of these miracles, you did all these wonders, and you split the sea, and you killed the firstborn. All that you did, take the Jews out of Egypt to do what? To kill them in the desert. They won't know that they sin with the golden calf. They're going to think that you took them out to destroy them with this evil star. And why would you allow that to be said about you? Return from the anger that's flaring up within you and have compassion on your nation. Remember, Moshe continues. Remember Avraham. Yes, it's true that the Jewish people have violated the Ten Commandments that they just received. But remember Avraham? He passed ten tests against the uh, 10 tests that, uh, you, that, he, that he overcame to show his loyalty to you. Remember, if you're worried about the fact that uh, you wanted to burn the Jews, remember how Avram was willing to go into a fiery furnace to defend your name. If you wanted to kill them by, by uh, you know, decapacitating them, by hitting off their heads, remember Yitzchak, who was willing to have his neck slaughtered to be uh, offering to you. If you want to punish my exile, remember Yaakov, who went into exile before you. Um, remember your nation, that you swore to them by you yourself that you would give them the land of Israel, the land that they will inherit forever. You didn't swear to them by the heavens, by the earth, by the mountains. You swore, so the verse says, God says, I swear by myself that I will give you the land of Israel. So if you're not going to fulfill your oath to them, you're going to be violating the oath that you made in your very own name. Now, of course, God wouldn't be violating because God is still keeping the descendants of Avram alive through Moshe. He wasn't starting over completely. He was keeping Moshe and starting again with Moshe. But Moshe is the descendant of Avram. But Moshe is not accepting that. Moshe says, these are all the children of Avram that you promised to uh, give the land. And so after Moshe gives this very passionate uh, uh, plea for compassion from God, 
God renounces the thought of evil that he said he would do to his people. He takes this star of the Ra'ah and reconfigures it and changes it. And instead of being about destruction, it'll be about the blood of the bris milah that would happen many years later when the Jews would be circumcised before the land entered the land of Israel. And now Moshe goes down from the mountain. Now that God has agreed not to kill all the Jews, Moshe goes down the mountain. Now, I should just say now already, Moshe, make, God already makes a plague go out into the nation. And we'll get to that soon. Anyway, so Moshe goes down the mountain and he's holding the tablets, his beautiful Maisei Elohim Hema, the work of God written by the hand of God, the word of God engraved onto the tablets miraculously that from both sides, normally when you grave on one side, the other side is in reverse, right? It's, if you grave it this way, the back side, you see it backward. A miracle happened that from both sides, it was engraved, whichever way you looked at it, it was readable the right way. And he comes down the mountain and who's waiting for him at the foot of the mountain? Yoshua, Joshua. Joshua is a loyal servant of, Av- of Moshe who never leaves his side. Like when you go out to work and the puppy, your, your dog is waiting by the front door waiting for you to return. When Moshe went up the mountain 40 days earlier, Mo- Yeshua stopped at the foot of the mountain. You couldn't go higher. He stopped at the foot of the mountain and like a loyal dog, he waited there for four, in a positive way. I'm saying the, like a loyal puppy, he waited at the foot of the mountain. So Mo- Yeshua was oblivious to everything that happened in the camp with the golden calf and the worshiping the idols. So he hears the sound of revelry from the camp where the Jews are celebrating and worshiping this idol. So Joshua says to Moshe, I hear a voice of war in the camp. And Moshe sorry, answers Yeshua and he says, what you're hearing is not the voice of victory. It's not the voice when you're fighting a war and you're winning the war. Oh, hooray, hooray, you know, victory. That's not the voice you're hearing. And it's not the voice of help, of, of losing. When a person is losing in the war, they're crying, help, help. It's not that voice. The voice that I hear is a sound of blasphemy, a sound of con- perversion, of corruption that I hear. Another explanation of the word anis is of po- poverty. An ani is poor. It's a voice of pain, of, of, of losing everything we have. It's a painful sound that I hear coming from the camp. They come close to the camp, Joshua and Moshe. And they come close and they see the golden calf and they see the dancing and the music and the revelries. And Moshe takes, he throws from his hands the tablets and he breaks them uh, under the mountain. And here we spend many, many, many hours talking about why Moshe broke the tablets. Um, but the point is, we'll just say the most basic, important explanation is that Moshe picks them up before he breaks them. Simply what happened, they were too heavy. It says in the commentaries that when Moshe, when, 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 when Moshe came in front of the idol, and the tablets saw the idol, the word of God that was engraved in the Luches ascended above. So tablets were made out of pure sapphire. They were big. They were very, very heavy. So Moshe really couldn't carry them. Why was he able to carry them? Because they were light, because they had the word of God inside it. The moment that the word of Hashem went up from the tablets, what was Moshe left carrying? A heavy, dead weight of sapphire stone, and he dropped it. But another explanation is that Moshe picked it up to drop, meaning Moshe acquired it. Moshe said, these tablets are not given to the Jewish people. I'm acquiring them. I haven't given them to, the, to them yet. I, I brought down the mountain, but before I ever give it to them, and now if they receive the tablets, they'll be in violation of, the, of what it says in the contract. In the Ten Commandments, it says, no other gods besides for me. And uh, they're obviously worshiping another god over here. So let me take it for myself. And then I'm going to break it, which was a tremendous risk on Moshe's behalf to take the word, of, the work of Hashem, holy tablets, 
and to break them, but he does so to protect the Jewish people from becoming liable by that which is written in the tablets. Then he takes the, the, the golden calf, he burns it, he grinds it up into ashes, he sprinkles it on the water, and he makes all the Jewish people drink from the water. And then he gathers the uh, nation, the tribe of Levi, and well, first he asks Aaron, what did the nation do to you? They made you do this terrible sin. And Aaron says, and don't get angry. They came to me and they said, we, Moshe is God, we need a new God. I was afraid, to, I tried slowing them down. And uh, I put the gold in the fire and the golden calf just walked out. And, and Moshe sees how Aaron has revealed the, the perversion of the Jewish people. And he's very angry. He gathers the tribe of Levi. Levi is the only people that had not yet sinned. They were the only ones that protested against the golden calf, but didn't sin with the golden calf. And because many of the Jews didn't actually sin, but they didn't protest. So by being silent and not standing up for what was right, they were in some way complicit with the sin that had happened. And um, he says to them, to the tribe of Levi, me, la Hashem, Eli. Whoever is to God, come with me and let us make a court. And anyone that had been guilty of having been warned by the witnesses of the tribe of Levi and had been witnessed, so they were warned and witnessed, doing the sin of idol worship, which is a capital crime in Judaism, shall be put to death. And the tribe of Levi went and made the courts. Anyone that there was witnesses that had been warned and committed the sin of idol worship was killed by the Levites. 3,000 people died that way. In addition, I don't know the number, but in addition, God sent a plague. And all those that had been, that had been witnessed committing a crime of idol worship without a warning, so they couldn't be punished in a human court, they died in the plague that Hashem sent against the nation. And in addition, the people that had committed the crime, but in their hearts, meaning there was no witnesses and no warning to the fact that they had worshipped the idol, they were treated like a woman who is a sota. What's a sota? A sota is a woman that has been warned by her husband not to be intimate with this man that she, he's suspicious of. And then witnesses come and say, we know that the two of them were, in, they were, they were together. And we don't know what they did. We just have them going to a hotel together. We don't know what happened in the hotel. We weren't in the room. So we can't actually give witnesses to adultery. But we know they were together, um, secluded. So they go to the temple, and there they take uh, water. With the, they take uh, the name of God is erased from a parchment, put into the water, and she drinks this water. If she's innocent, the water blesses her. And if she's guilty, the water makes her stomachs explode. And so to over here, Moshe made all the women, all the women, all the Jews that were like the wayward woman that had rebelled against God, that we saw them with an idol, but there was no witnesses to the actually committing idol worship, drank the water, and those that had committed the crime, they, uh, their stomachs exploded within them, and they, uh, they died. In addition, there was the Erev Rav that hadn't been warned and hadn't been witnessed, but they were not like a wayward wife because they were not yet married to God. So those people, God said, are going to hold the sin against them to be used against them in future times when they sin. Okay, so here we have, they, they all die, those that need to be punished. And then tomorrow we'll talk about what happens the next day, the 18th of time, when Moshe goes back up the mountains to try and get God to forgive the Jewish people. Yes, question.